Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, have you uh, have you done any home improvement projects lately, um, or are you in the construction industry at any level in any way, or a part of the supply chain for construction? Um, so this is this is uh, a topic of conversation because as billions and billions of dollars are about to flood our economic system as the uh, federal infrastructure plan like starts to move forward. Um, the challenge is that, you know, like there's not enough concrete, like literally not enough concrete to to do the projects that need doing. And so um, there is a supply chain issue. There is uh, there are issues related to what's actually available. Um, and then um, there is a, a shortage of skilled people, people who can actually do these jobs. Um, we need more engineers. We need more um mechanics. We need more carpenters. We need more. I mean, we need more. And so looking at forecasts, uh, this is just an ongoing conversation in parts of, uh, I mean, it might be a conversation that's going on at your house if you're trying to build something or get something built or pay for something. Because obviously, when there's a labor shortage and a supply chain issue, the cost of everything also goes up. So it's not just inflation. And then there's the holding cost. If you are a developer or a builder, um, or a family building a house, and you got to hold that construction loan and debt much longer than you anticipated, and then you run into refinancing issues. And obviously, the cost of refinancing has been driven up dramatically as the Fed keeps raising interest rates. So on and on and on, the challenge goes. Here's just just one, uh, one point along this uh, conversational spectrum. Um, we have a predicted shortage of skilled labor just in the manufacturing sector. So it, in manufacturing alone, we have a, a forecasted shortage of skilled labor of between two and three and a half million people in just the next handful of years. So if you're a student in high school right now, um, or maybe you are thinking about like what to do next, um, Find out if there is a way that you can, maybe your high school's partnering with industry to offer a pathway to a really good job um, upon graduation, or maybe it's going to require some technical education beyond that. Much of that is now paid for by the industries who need workers. Um, or if you live in Connecticut, you can literally go to um, to co- two years of community college and get a uh, a, a literally like career ready diploma for 30 different industries. So it doesn't just have to be manufacturing or construction, could be culinary arts, could be hospitality, on and on and on, could be healthcare related, um, could be education related. We talked recently about um, the Hope Farm School as a pathway. 
in Rhode Island, there's something called RINI, where they are actually training high school students in nursing prior to college. And by the time they graduate from high school, they like can go straight in to high paying jobs. Um, Mojave Valley, Arizona has something called the Pillar Academy for business and finance. In Miami, it's called SLAM, Sports Leadership and Management. These are high school programs that are designed um, to meet critical needs in, uh, in the employment sector. In Boston, there's a Kennedy Academy for Health Careers. Um, in, uh, in Oregon, there's something called the Mitch Charter School, where they're using an ag-based, an agricultural-based curriculum because they want students to be inspired to excel in agriculture and farming-related occupations. So big hat off here to um, Future Farmers of America and 4-H, programs that are available across the country to do the same. In Shambly, which is a suburb of Atlanta, um, there's a charter high school that really, it feels more like a big high school than some of these others because it's got a 1,000 students, and so it also has the ability to, um, to offer some extracurriculars that smaller charter schools can't offer. But at the Shambly School, um, uh, you, can, you can have a pathway to an AV or tech career, business, computer science, drafting, engineering, graphics, um, finance, food, nutrition, culinary arts, I mean, on and on and on. They also have a, a junior ROTC program for, um, uh, for students who want, you know, want to pursue the military as their pathway. I, I guess what I want to say is, like, let's, let's engage positively. And in every single one of these programs, guess what is needed? Teachers. Teachers. And so if you um, maybe are retired from uh, manufacturing or construction or really any, uh, any, any vocation, your school district would love to have you. They would love to have you lean back in to the educational process. What an opportunity to uh, get in proximity with young people and with teachers, and with what's happening in education. So this is a positive way that you can lean back in. And while I've got you here, let me ask this. Does anybody listening know Bob Vanderhagen? He lives in Olivia, Minnesota. If you know him, I would like to know him because he's doing something at Bold High School there that I want to know more about. So if you know Bob Vanderhagen in Olivia, Minnesota, could you text me 877-933-2484 or send me an email, carmen at myfaithradio.com. Bill English is going to join us next. We're going to uh, talk about being a Christian at work, whether your boss is or not. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Um, All right. uh, Bill English is back from BibleandBusiness.com, but also uh, joining us today as the author of Working for a Difficult Boss. And we've got copies to give away. So we've talked with Bill about this book on a couple of prior occasions, and we're going to return to it today. Um, And for the first time, we've got copies to give away. So you can text the word book to 877-933-2484, working for a difficult boss. Bill, good morning. Hey, good morning, Carmen. Let's let's dive into chapter four today, Staying Faithful to God. Um, so, you know, I'm a Christian. I may or may not work for a boss who is a Christian. I may walk, uh, work for a boss who says they're a Christian, but doesn't act like one. Um, can you just talk with us about remaining faithful to God, no matter where we work or for whom we are working? 
Well, yeah, because faithfulness to God is really about um, our our covenant relationship with Him, right? Because we're stewards of what He entrusts to us. And when we work for somebody else, and especially in a for-profit business, and here I'm thinking like a, you know, a 3M or uh, you know a, a major corporation, or down to a mom and pop shop, our our entrustment from God is in part our service to our employer right? So uh, chapter four on staying faithful to God uh, really was derived from two verses in Daniel. Daniel 1.5, where uh, the first part where uh, the writer says, the king assigned them, Daniel and his friends, and everybody else in the training program, a daily portion of the food that the king, that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. And then in verse eight, uh, it says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself that way. So there was something about that situation that Daniel found that he would probably be defiled if he just went with the flow, right? And he wanted to stay faithful to God. Uh, the reason I put it that way, Carmen, is because the meat and the wine neither were restricted in Jewish dietary laws, so it couldn't have been based on 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 the on the dietary laws that that Daniel and his friends uh, were under uh, regarding their religion. It also, uh, I don't think, was because the meat was offered to idols, because there's nothing in the text that that tells us that, right? Mm. So. Um, why did Daniel resolve not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine? What was what was it about that that was defiling to him? And I think this is instructive for a lot of people uh, in uh, who who work for bosses that are not Christians or that uh, claim to be Christians but don't act like it. And I don't want to I don't want to withhold it, but I I'm seeing that it's seven fifteen, and I don't know if you want. If if you want to break now, or if I yes. should just keep going here. No, that's, that's, that's a good idea. So um, why did Daniel refuse? Why did Daniel resolve not to defile himself with the royal food and wine being offered to him by the king of Babylon? When we ingest something into ourselves, what is happening? And what might that have to do with um, not only our... Uh, physical bodies, but the way we get assimilated into a group of people. Why did Daniel refuse what was offered? And what does it look like for us to resist assimilation um, into cultural realities today? More with Bill English next from BibleandBusiness.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Continuing our conversation with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com, we're talking about chapter four of his latest book, Working for a Difficult Boss. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. What was it that um, led Daniel to 
resist, resolve not to defile himself with the royal food and wine of Babylon. Um, and and what does that what does that teach us in terms of um, what we trade, what what the trade off is that we might make at work um, for beliefs we hold dear? Yeah, you know, um, the way that I position it in my book and the way that I kind of thought about it was that food, when you ingest food for a period of time, you learn to like it. Uh, and that can create some dependencies. I, I, I think you have, we have to remember that these are people uh, in a training program in Babylon to serve in the highest levels of government. And they're being brought in from Israel. They're being brought in from other countries that, that Babylon had conquered. They're generally poor, generally very, uh, not of great stature in terms of, of society. And so they're suddenly given this wonderful uh, buffet, as it were. And I mm. think that that can quickly create a dependency that I don't want to go back to my poverty. I don't want to go back to my lower station in life. And so I'm going to go ahead and culturally assimilate uh, because I love this food and I love my position and I love where my career is going and I love my life. And it's not a crappy life like others uh, have. And eventually, I think that leads to belief assimilation. It's a, it's a progression over time, but I think eventually that leads to belief assimilation. I use the Louis Zamperini story uh, in my book as an illustration here. I don't know if you've seen the movie Unbroken, uh, mm. the Louis Zamperini story, but there's a there's a spot in that movie, in that story, where Louis is pulled out of the Japanese concentration camps and he is <clears throat> brought to a to a a a very nice i'm just going to say building uh that the japanese owned and where other americans are sitting dining and they're not being uh, abused they're not being uh, tortured and they get you know wonderful food every day and louis is given a couple of really great meals and then they ask him to turn on his country and tell them all the secrets that he knows about the United States. And Louis um, refuses, and he is sent back to the torture and the abuse of being in a concentration camp. This is World War II, right? I think that's something along the lines of what Daniel and his friends were facing. And so so they they refused to assimilate they they refused the food because they knew the food would be a pathway towards cultural and uh, religious assimilation in Babylon. That's so good. Um, that's such a that's such a good example. That's such a powerful example. As you were um, as you were talking uh, a little bit earlier about the the things that we exchange along the way, um, and and we probably do so subconsciously. We're making tiny little trade-offs all the time. I was thinking about Ebenezer Scrooge and the way that, you know, he eventually loses his relationship with the one person in the world who deeply loves him and the, the woman to whom he's engaged, because over time he falls so in love with money that he, he, he can no longer see himself um, in the same way. And he certainly no longer sees her in the same way. Um, and then the rest of his life is just marked by um, the 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 pathway. And and anyway, we know his redemption story, and so that's very positive. Um, but better to never start down that path at all. 
Yeah, you know, if you're going to lose weight, the first thing to do is not walk down the candy or the chip aisle at the grocery store, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't go to the bakery where all the donuts are. That's exactly right. But you know, there's I, I I think there's something else here for us, and this is a much broader application for Christians today. One of the things that that um they were refusing here was the excesses of Babylon. They knew that mm-hmm. the luxuries and the excesses could lead them to a life of convenience or dependence on convenience and comfort, right? Mm-hmm. And we real <clears throat> you know. Look, convenience and comfort are lethal to the cause of Christ. They are lethal to the church. And when our church, when our churches and our and and our Christians engage in comfort and convenience, when, when when they value those things more than they value being faithful to God, um, boy, we are in a world of hurt as a church, and we are going to sacrifice an awful lot and negotiate away an awful lot of our values in order to maintain our comfort and our convenience. Um, this is something that that uh, I face as a first world Christian. You know, minute, you know the 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 town that I live in um, is uh, you know the one thousand five hundred and thirty eighth richest town in in the in America out of 27,000 communities uh and that's where my church is located and we have first world problems and temptations that pull us away from God and pull us away from Christ because of our of our comfort and our convenience and our wealth i think that's another thing that daniel and his friends at such a young age which is really remarkable that's what they saw in all of this food stuff and they said, nope, we're not going to defile ourselves. We're not going down that pathway. And uh, that it's just remarkable what they what they saw and how they responded. Um, and I don't think, uh, as you're listening right now, um, neither Bill nor I are suggesting that it's easy, um, nor that it will be popular, um, nor that it will necessarily come with material rewards in the here and now. Um I mean, it's going to come with stress. It's likely going to come with suffering. It certainly did for Daniel. Um, but aren't we glad he proved himself faithful um, over time? I mean, that's why we know his name, and that's why we, uh, uh, we, we can celebrate him as an exemplar in so many ways. The book is Working for a Difficult Boss. The author is Bill English. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Eight, four. Bill, as always, thank you so much. Well, you're welcome, Carmen. Thanks for having me on. I, I always consider it an honor and a privilege to talk to you. So That's mutual. That's mutual. Thank you so much. We're going to take a break uh, here for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. Have you ever sung in the church choir? Uh, have you ever, um, have you ever, you know, been sitting in those rows behind where the preacher is preaching and then actually had the preacher like turn around and preach to you that is that is literally what preaching to the choir um looks like and sounds like and so if you are in the choir of evangelical christianity you are the audience um for the conversation um, that we are about to have with dr russell moore he has a brand new book Uh, Losing Our Religion, An Altar Call for Evangelical America. It is preaching to the choir, but frankly, the choir needs preaching to. 
And so our friend uh, Russell will be with us here in just a moment. And maybe ask ask yourself, okay, have I ever responded to an altar call? How many times have I responded to an altar call? Um, And what would it look like today for me to lose the things that need to be lost and left behind in order to genuinely respond to the call of Christ in my life at this time, at this point in history, um, right now. So we're going to issue an altar call and invite you to respond. That's up next with Dr. Russell Moore. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. My friend Russell Moore is joining us now. He's the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, former president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, lives with his sweet wife Maria and, uh, and raises boys. He joins us today as the author of Losing Our Religion, an altar call for evangelical America. Russell, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Well, I'm well, except that I have to point directly to page 39 and just be sure you weren't talking about me. Oh, okay. So I know on page 39, you say talk radio comes with the illusion of authority. And so I just thought that I would confess (laughs) I have no illusion of authority. None whatsoever. You have have plenty of real authority (laughs) in your your life. (laughs) Well, um, so uh, it won't surprise you that I um, have appreciated what you're saying here and appreciate uh, you being the one who says it. So just issue the altar call right here at the outset of the conversation. What is the altar call that you are extending to evangelical America? Well, I think there's a sense of uh, fear that manifests itself in, in different ways. And so some people are responding to fear with a kind of frantic uh, rage. And some people are responding to it with a kind of cynicism. And, uh, and a numbing of themselves. And, and I, I don't think either of those directions are the way to go. Instead, I think it's time to realize we're walking out into new, new times for us, but not new times for, for Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, there were parts of this, as I was reading it, um, that you know, took me back to uh, moments and days and periods of time um, during which I you know, remember ardently praying for you and Maria and your family and other friends of ours who were um, in in very difficult meetings, experiencing very, very difficult things. Um, my mom would have said, Russell, if they run you out of town, get out in front and make it look like a parade. Um, uh, this is part war journal. Like part of what you are sharing in this book is your own lived experience. Um, There's a lot of folks listening right now who are no longer a part of um, a particular kind of church. And they would say, I didn't leave the church. The church left me. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you talk about leaving a particular brand or version, um, but not leaving the church? Because this is not a testimony about leaving the church, big capital C, although part of it is a testimony about separating yourself from one expression of it. Yeah, it's not even about leaving the church uh, small c. Uh, It's instead about the fact that what seems to be happening right now is that a lot of of structures we've kind of built around the church that we expected to be really stable and that we put a lot of our confidence in are failing. 
and are and are falling down. And I think people are experiencing that really across the across the board, which is one of the reasons why it's it's impossible uh, to find. Okay, where is the denominational uh, group or the network that is uh, that is not in some sort of crisis or uh, or in the sense of about to go into a, a crisis they're, they're not there right now because we're in this time of flux and so that um, that leads a lot of disorientation and there are a lot of people including myself who would rather things just be the way we've always expected them to be but mm-hmm. that's not that's not the moment we're in that's not the way God works well, but that takes us to, uh, you know, your, the observations that you make um, about nostalgia. Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe we just jump there. Um, mm-hmm. Talk talk with us about uh, this, this loss. I mean, we, we have to give up imagining we're going to go back to 1954. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of the problem is that, that 1954 is an illusion that we create. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's like any other idol uh, as as God says, there's uh, you, you can carve ears into it, but it can't hear, and you can carve eyes onto it, and it can't uh, it can't see. You can carve a, a a golden age out of air, but it doesn't mean it's real. And so that's that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is that that sense of looking back usually is tied in with a kind of self dependence, which says. We can just if we can just get back to when we were doing whatever, then uh, we'll turn things around, and that's just not the way that God builds His church. And so, what can happen is we can have a we can have a kind of nostalgia for some time in the past, and and it doesn't even matter what time in the past it is the fifties, the nineties, the eighties, the. Uh, 1500s, whenever, uh, we can have that nostalgia for the past and we can assume, uh, well, then that means that the time that I'm living in right now is devoid of the, of the spirit and of the possibility of rebirth. And that's what, uh, that's, what gets us, that's what gets us stuck and it gets us right back into the same patterns that led us where we are. We're talking with Dr. Russell Moore. We do have copies to give away of Losing Our Religion, an altar call for Evangelical America. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Russell, uh, we're both um, examples of and witnesses to this, like, massive realignment of Christians both here and around the world. I think that um, it's very uncomfortable to be uprooted and uh, and transplanted, but it's it's healthy for individuals and it's it's healthy for the body. I mean, ultimately, it's very uncomfortable um, in the process and in the meantime. Um, I I appreciate uh, early in the book the distinction that you draw between authority and authoritarianism. Um, and so, could you could you describe that? Yeah, I mean, authority. If you think about the example of uh, Jesus in the Gospels, he he comes as and speaks as one with authority and not as one of the scribes. So there's a a sincerity, uh, there's a personal credibility. Jesus can be uh, believed, and it's a distinction between uh, that call to allegiance, to heart allegiance, 
and a, a coercion or a power. And a lot of times we confuse authority with power. Uh, and those are very, very different things. It's a, it's a different thing for the person who comes in and says, um, you know, you can trust me. I know what I'm talking about. Follow me out of this building right now. That's a very different thing than the person who comes up with a gun and says, come with me or I'm going to shoot you. Those are very, very different things. And we, we easily confuse those things, especially when we have a breakdown in legitimate authority. And we don't know who we can trust uh, at all or what we can trust. People then tend to get uh, get drawn toward authoritarianism, people who would use power uh, in some way. And you can see that not just in, in the way we immediately think of in terms of a dictatorship or, or something like that, but also in church situations. Uh, there are very many uh church situations that have seen the, the rise of authoritarian pastors and leaders uh, who are coming with not let me show you from Scripture and from the Spirit, the, the way that we are to go, but instead a sense of you're, you're with us or against us. Uh, you're, you're a friend or you're an enemy. Get in or get out. That's a very different way than the way of Christ. Yeah, there's this this strangeness about um, the human experience where we say we want to be free and make our own decisions, but in reality, a lot of people like the com- the quote-unquote comfort of being told what to do and when to do it and how to do it, and um, that somehow someone else taking that responsibility for our freedom or of our freedom produces this odd comfort where we don't really have to be yeah. responsible for ourselves or the decisions that we make. And that's really dangerous. Yeah, it is. And and one of the things that we, we irrationally, but a sin is irrational, that we irrationally want is we want both kind of total freedom, disconnectedness, uh, disconnectedness, anarchy, and that sense of uh, lack of responsibility that comes with just being directed and told what to do at the same time. I mean, it reminds me of this book several years ago uh, I saw on uh, parenting, about parenting uh, teenagers. And I think the name of it was, I, Mom, I hate you. Get out of my life. Can you take me and Cheryl to the mall? And I laughed when I saw that title because that, that is exactly uh, at the heart of, of a lot of kind of teenage rebellion. Get away from me. I don't want you. And I want you to, to, uh, to, to do everything I need you to do. We can easily show up in that same place in terms of the church or in terms of, the, um, in terms of some political movement or, or whatever it is. So good. All right. We're talking with Dr. Russell Moore, his brand new book, Losing Our Religion, an altar call for evangelical America. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. If you want to jump in um, on the drawing we're doing for the copies of the book we have to give away, text the word book to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, 
all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Russell Moore is uh, with us today. Um, He's a brother in Christ and a colleague in ministry, a friend. His brand new book is absolutely worth your time and attention. You can listen to it on Audible, for those of you who are already asking. Um, We have print copies to give away today. Losing Our Religion, an altar call for evangelical America. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Russell, uh, I, of course, find it totally providential that you would be with us today, because today is a particular day in American history. So um, let me ask it this way. Uh, You make the observation that finding the right answers depends on asking the right questions. Um, I know I'll also say finding the right answers depends on asking the right questions of the right person in the right way on the right day, in the right spirit. So... On this day in American history, as the former president has been indicted on serious criminal charges and yet uh, remains the leading candidate to be his party's nominee um, to serve as president again at, at this time, on this day, what is the right question for each Christian in America to be asking? Well, I think I, I'm not sure that it's the the issue of asking the right question because i think we all know um the the reality around us the question is whether we care mm. uh, so there there really aren't there really aren't in this case we have a lot of situations where we just have uh differences and arguments about the facts well what what happened here what happened there we really don't have a lot of that right now. We we know what happened. The question is, do we actually care? And that I think is is part of the real sadness of um, of this particular moment. Okay, so if I do care, mm-hmm. um, and what others seem to care about is that they be proven right in their position, not necessarily that they're aligned with the truth. Um, I know you encounter people all the time. I do, too. It's generally um, younger people dealing with their parents um, Mm -hmm. who have become convinced of... um, It's not that they've become convinced of a truth. They have become convinced of the defense of a position. And... They're so afraid of losing, losing something um, that they are willing to trade the truth um, and trade righteousness for the holding on to um, a sense of either belonging or security or, or something else. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think we're at one of these moments where uh, really, I mean, someone asked me last night, uh, of course, I, I was uh, expecting the indictments to come. I was expecting them to be uh, about exactly what they were, because w- what we have 
what's there is not something that um, there's really, as I said, any, any ambiguity about. We all we all watched it uh, happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, uh, do we? Someone said, "What? What do you? How do you feel right now?" And I said, "I just feel really sad um, that the country is in this place. This is a this is a tragic place for the country." And the real question is, do we want to keep living this way? Is this really the way that we want to continue to go forward? And and not just in terms of our uh, country, but in terms of um, in terms of our our personal relationships. I mean, if you if you look around over the last eight years, you see all of the broken friendships, all of the mm-hmm. broken families, all of the divided churches. Is this worth it? And is this really the way that we want to go forward? And I think that what has happened um, after this era is that you have a lot of people who are simply exhausted. But we're in a situation right now where people are so exhausted that I think they're almost uh, tuning out and, and just becoming accustomed to things the way that they are, which could perpetuate. And, and we, we could be in really dangerous times. I mean, there, there are a lot of people who know what's going on who are very, very concerned about uh, political violence, more political violence. Uh, in the country, all all kinds of further disintegration. And sadly, I think one of the things that can happen is we can just become used to this and we can normalize it and and not pay attention to the fact that we really can go a different way. Yeah, and that different way is um, is revival. And revival is dependent on repentance. Um, we actually have to stop loving um, what we are loving and return to our first love. That is, uh, I think, a, a huge part of this conversation. So can you talk about um, the the pivot that each individual person needs to make? Because this is about millions and millions and millions of small acts, small decisions that lead to small acts, not some massive um, yeah. strategic, you know, national or global plan. Well, you know, a friend of mine had shown me a quote that really kind of took my breath away from A.W. Tozer uh, back in the in the 1940s, where he said, the last thing we need is revival. I don't want revival. He said, because if we revive the situation the way that it is right now, we're going to we're going to end up worse than we than we are. Uh, that kind of thing can't be revived. It has to be a first put to death uh and only then can out of that come revival and and the more i thought about that more i realized i think that's why uh why i've hesitated to use the word revival up to this point because there are a lot of people who use it in a way of simply saying uh well something will happen uh there'll be a revival and that'll just uh, sort of turn everything back to uh, when it was good and turn the clock back. But that's not what revival does uh, biblically. Revival is disorienting. It it tears a lot of things up, and it gets us to the point where we think, I don't even know what direction uh, to go. So we have to follow that, you know, the pillar of fire that led the people of Israel out of, out of Egypt uh, gave just enough light uh, for the next 
uh, for the next step of the journey. And that's the way that uh, life in pilgrimage always works. So I think that uh, revival, when it actually happens, often is when you're looking at it in the middle of it, it, it seems like a mess. And it seems like disorientation. And we don't like that. At least I don't like that. I prefer stability uh, to, to actual revival when I'm in it. Um, I am uh, filled with hope and encouraged and appreciate you and your continuing labor um, on the Lord's behalf in this particular time of history and uh, in the midst of the kingdoms of this uh, world being a genuine kingdom ambassador. I um, want to assure you of my prayers, Jim's prayers, our prayers for you and Maria and the boys and others with whom you have labored across time who I also love and appreciate and all the things they are off now doing to advance the kingdom. Um, we've experienced some losses along the way, and I know that's um, grievous. And so I just want you to know that your influence um, uh, continues in my life and in the lives of those I love um, in ways that you could never imagine, but that are deeply appreciated um, and I want you to know that you are prayed for, um, you and Maria and the boys, regularly. And so thank you so much for um, who you are and how you are living as an ambassador of Christ, um, being a genuine demonstration of the gospel in the midst of these days. Well, likewise, Carmen. Grateful for you and for your ministry. It's, um, that's, uh, it's a joy. That's Dr. Russell Moore. You can find him at Christianity Today. You should subscribe to his newsletter, More to the Point. The book we've been talking about today uh, is Losing Our Religion, an Altar Call for Evangelical America. We've got some copies to give away. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. <laughs> okay. I totally appreciate uh, what you guys are um, posting on the text line. I really appreciate this one. Hey, I don't actually have time uh, to care. Uh, Well, they don't say that. Shine your light in your own space. That's what they say. Yes, go be shiny. Amen. Many working folks don't actually have time to care. Time is precious. Days are fast. Many are hanging on by fingernails. Blessings. So let me say to you, um, may your fingernails be strengthened today. Mm-hmm. May your may may your fingernails by which you are hanging on be strengthened today. Um, I had never really thought about that nail strengthener that um, you know from time to time I put on my fingernails. I hadn't actually thought of that as a really good example um, or encouragement to other Christians in the meantime. So I'll just uh, I'll just encourage you with that today. You know, if you got to get some nail strengthener, put some nail strengthener on today if you're hanging on by your fingernails. Um, And for those of you who responded early on to all the things that are hanging around your neck, maybe my favorite was the person who said, my glasses are hanging around my neck. And if my glasses weren't hanging around my neck, I wouldn't be able to remember where I had laid them down. So there you go. Um, Let's be binding the word of God to us and, and in our hearts and have it on our minds. If you haven't yet done so, get into the word of God today in order that it might get into you. Why? So when the world squeezes you today, and it will, what comes out is grace and truth. Thank you so much for the precious gift of your time. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. 
If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.